0: From pre-crime to psyops, reality is not the winner. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty right here on 95.5 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And actually, I am on from 3 to 6 this day, this Saturday. I am uh, often moved around during football season, but not today. This is a bi-week, so we have lots. We'll still go fast and cover tons of material, as always. And the big stories this week, well, I have a few things that I think are really important. And if you want to hear my producer, Binkley is here with me now, and I talk about the daily the biggest stories every single day we do a daily podcast called the drive time news blast which you could find at the and we have been covering the impeachment what's happening in turkey the really big stories every single day and i was going to go to that now but there's uh there are a couple of stories that Don't get that aren't getting covered. And I think a lot of times these really big stories that are very personality oriented, very dramatic. This impeachment thing. I mean, talk about making a mountain out of a molehill. I don't even think that I actually want trump to withhold aid from the ukraine to figure out the corruption over there i don't even care if it's biden i am at this point i'm wondering if biden actually ran for president so that trump wouldn't be able to investigate the level of corruption that could be there so if you want to hear more about that we cover it almost every day at least for a couple minutes but there was one thing that really alarmed me in the news that got i would say Virtually no mainstream coverage whatsoever. It's a memo by Bill Barr, followed up by a similar uh, something with similar a bill from the Texas Republican Cornyn that had similar features to it. That really alarms me as far as its attack on our civil liberties. I want to talk about that first. Later, for most of the show, I want to talk about a an interview. So it was not an interview. Edward Snowden, if that is his real name, went on the Joe Rogan show. And I have like a strict rule. I never talk about other people's shows or podcasts. I mean, if I want to talk to somebody, I'll talk to them. But mostly I like to just think about what's going on and exchange ideas about that. But this was such a, it was seemed to me to be absolutely a propaganda dump that, Snowden and whoever is he's associated with delivered on the Joe Rogan show to that huge, huge Joe Rogan audience. It seemed very strategic to me, and that made me think, like, what is this for? So it's a book tour. It's a, He's got this thing, Permanent Record, as his book, and that's a real key to what's going on here, I think. So I really thought about it. I did... Uh, an interview podcast with Freeman Beyond the Wall. Yesterday I did it. He's going to post it Sunday night. He's a, It's Pete um, Quinones, I think is his, how he pronounced his name. I always wonder how that U goes. But he's a huge libertarian speaker. He's the. He's a, a real activist. He's got very big roles in the libertarian community. And he's local. He's from Atlanta. So you want to listen to his show. And we've got more on the Snowden stuff, but on this show, I thought it would be good since the Snowden interview was three hours long, and he's so annoying that it was rather cloying, hard to listen to. Binkley and I put together uh, maybe 10 one-minute clips that we're going to play for you. Well, it was more like thirty, but we're not going to play all thirty. But we did we did the work on that and really distilled down to these like single minute things that are, are food for thought or are a tell to what's coming down the road. So we're going to get to that. But first, I want to hit this this memo by Bill Barr. It's called the implementation of national disruption and early Managed early engagement programs to counter the threat of mass shootings. So Attorney General Bill Barr issued this to federal prosecutors and law enforcement officers, and I actually expected to find and did find the idea that they want to reach out to local law enforcement, to district attorneys around the country. I've noticed this trend in the opioid crisis, in Facebook and uh, other big tech antitrust movements. The feds get, The state attorneys general or the state district or whatever local district attorneys and they get them all to join in unison to foster a particular policy because there I believe it's because there are constitutional issues when you try to do these things on the federal level. The 10th Amendment actually says outright that or it is has been adjudicated Unequivocally, that the police powers, which actually includes welfare, education, health, all that stuff, but policing is all reserved to the states by the 10th Amendment. So if you start to go, I mean, most of what these guys do, I think, is unconstitutional anyway. The Department of Justice was established in order to enforce federal laws on the south after the civil war i think if i'm not mistaken so there is a lot of i think that they they want to control stuff that really is unconstitutional for them but this is just even what they want to do is beyond unconstitutional i mean it's just shocking to the to the sensibilities what they want to do they want it's basically a pre-crime bill and i would like to Read a few passages from Bill Barr's memo. He said uh, he has he says, I have directed the department and the FBI, Department of Justice and FBI, to lead an effort to refine our ability to identify, assess and engage potential mass shooters before they strike. OK, so that sounds good. And. uh It says. They they we want to take the lessons we learned from fighting terrorism. You know, and remember terrorism, they also often use the excuse that people they're they're war, it's like a combat thing, they don't have to have civil rights because they aren't citizens or it's considered a war. So that's the excuse they use to not apply the fourteenth Amendment of the Constitution. He says, we want to use these to hone an efficient, effective, and programmatic strategy to disrupt individuals who are mobilizing towards violence. When the public says something, we must do something. It says, some of our most creative and effective disruption and early engagement tactics were born of the posture we adopted with respect to terrorist threats. Now, I this is why I and so many others, especially libertarians, have always said it's a slippery slope. You cannot say this person I already know is guilty, so I don't have to give them civil rights or this person is somehow is disqualified from civil rights. You can't do that. And when people say, well, they're not American, I say the Bill of Rights, we all agree, was an enshrined version of that was born of our natural rights. God gives us the rights. Government doesn't give us the rights or the government can take it away. So you, I don't use that excuse at all. And even if you think it's okay for terrorists, this is exactly the thing that you're worried about. It's like, hey man, we've already done it. We're well-established. We've got lots of practice and now you're arguing. So he goes on to say, many of today's public safety threats appear abruptly, And with sometimes only ambiguous indications of intent. All right, I got to bring you in here on on this, Binkley. Ambiguous, what do you, ambiguous indications of intent, I mean, what do you think, can you be sure that somebody's up to no good?
1: I don't know if you can be sure, and I don't know what the definition of ambiguous is. It could be a look on somebody's face.
0: Oh, what was that thing that you said? They have facial recognition for bad attitude.
1: They're (laughs) testing cameras right now that can detect if you have basically a mass shooter look on your face.
0: and And even wasn't Amazon or Siri or the thing in your house Echo... Starting to reflect, emo- detect your emotions. I believe. Yeah, Amazon,
1: were- one of the devices, is trying to detect emotions now. Yeah,
0: they did a black mirror on that. You had to wear an emoji on your shirt, and if it wasn't smiling, you were <laughs> you were considered a threat. Yeah. But here's something about that little line item: ambiguous indications of intent. So we so we have long established that we. That you would have 10 guilty men go free than one innocent man go to jail. So ambiguous indications of intent, this is a statistical thing where you have like a type one error means you exclude too many people from the group. So of the people that you're putting in jail, you're excluding some guilty people. A type two error means you include too many people. So of the people you're putting in jail, you're putting in a lot of innocent people. We don't go for type two errors when it comes to criminal justice. We just don't do it. If you're going to make an error, it has to be a type one error. And they're, they're flipping the script here on that. And it gets worse They say often these cases result—so they they use all this. They use clinical psychologists. uh, They say often subjects of recent threat investigations exhibit symptoms of mental illness or have substance abuse problems that affect their behavior. This presents significant challenges to criminal investigations. These are people who have not committed crimes, mind you. (laughs) Accordingly, newly developed tactics based on the needs of our frontline operators— so this folds in where, you know, you can't have body armor because it puts cops in danger. So you have to be defenseless and completely submit. It says uh, they have expanded the, quote, all tools approach adopted by our joint terrorist task force to include all tools. I mean, this is full spectrum dominance of the domestic population based on tactics born of the terror anti-terrorism, which. Uses is an excuse for getting rid of civil rights. It says it uses the clinical psychologists, threat assessment professionals, intervention teams, and community groups when such resources are helpful to detect, understand, and mitigate risk. I've got a couple more lines from this that, that tell you what to what's common. Now, we're talking about people who have done nothing wrong have not manifested an actual intent to do wrong. They have ambiguous intentions. And this is, they're, go- they're going to use these tools to identify those people. What are they going to do once they identify those people? I will tell you after the break. You can call, you got comments. You can call 404 872 0750 or tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Maybe it's something really cool that i don't even know about you know on 95.5 wsb atlantis news and talk i'm going through a memo here that bill barr wrote to the attorneys general or the assistants people in the department of justice and the fbi which to me absolutely defines pre-crime as having ambiguous intent having done nothing wrong in the past and just being alerted when the public sees something or says something Not only can you be a pre-criminal if somebody calls you out, they're going to use, quote, all tools that were adopted by Joint Terrorist Task Force that includes the use of clinical psychologists, threat assessment professionals, intervention teams, and community groups when such resources are helpful to detect, understand, and mitigate risk. He also says, They're going to use innovative new solutions and that they have private sector partners. I want to get into that after the break, but let me finish and just tell you what he's what they're going to do when they tap you as a pre-criminal. Someone with ambiguous intent who has done nothing wrong ever. That is that's the person that they're targeting here. It says. They appear abruptly with sometimes only ambiguous indications of intent. (laughs) So, I mean, that would be whatever. I'm not going to rattle off the jillions of things that could. I mean, if you are uh, uh, against the government, I mean, what that they consider that oftentimes domestic terrorism. So that would be ambiguous. Well, maybe he doesn't mean anything but to protest the government. Yeah, well, but maybe he does. Yeah, maybe it means something else. So it says often these cases result in detention, court ordered mental tr- health treatment, substance abuse counseling, electronic monitoring, and other important conditions of supervised release to help mitigate recidivism. Recidivism means repeat offense, but they didn't do anything. Recidivism of ambiguous intent. Like I can't get my mind around this. He says we need to apply the same type of forward leaning and thoughtful strategies more broadly to help triage threats and prevent violence wherever we detect reliable indicators of criminal activity or potential danger to the public. It says we, in one case, work cooperatively with parents and mental health professionals to disrupt uh, a young person... And agreed to swift revolution resolution. This is okay if you can trust the government to have good faith, but what if they want to use it for other means? Let's talk about that and what other means they're going to use to detect this stuff after the break. 404 8720750. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. This will not stand, you know. This aggression will not stand, man. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. I am waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6, except for sometimes in football season. But today I'm on till 6, and I am waking you up to a true threat to our liberty that I am barely hearing. I I saw a couple of articles about it, and that is it. And this is this memo of Bill Barr establishing basically pre-crime to his law enforcement officers or while at the same time a Texas but I think he's the senator. Yeah, because it's a majority whip. Cornyn, Republican, is putting out legislation that's kind of parallel to this. I want to finish up with the bar memo, then I wanna move to the just a couple of items out of the Cornyn bill. And then I want to tell you about this new service I discovered that I definitely was Orwellian, and I think folds into these two things called storyful. If you've heard of it, let's talk about that too. So, what Barr says is they want to take these threat the the dangerous threats alongside with local law enforcement partners and implement these new pr- uh, experimental approaches. Actually, says that we want to at times turn to new partners and experiment with new approaches. So in December 2019, they're going to be hosting a training conference at FBI headquarters in D.C. to present proven models for engaging, extremely challenging individuals. And they're going to talk to, coordinate with best practices of U.S. attorneys' offices, private sector partners, and Department of Justice components. So they're getting together, private partners. That's where Storyful comes in, in my opinion. But I just wanted to highlight this one sentence about a case they worked. It says, in one case, for example, the FBI works cooperatively with parents and mental health professionals to disrupt a young person and achieve, just disrupt a young person and achieve a swift agreed resolution, agreed resolution. So they pressured these people to agree, to bargain. There was no jury trial, nothing. And resulted in court-ordered supervision that required the defendant to submit to ongoing mental health treatment and close monitoring. So they're monitoring this person who has ambiguous intent. And I have to reemphasize, the reason they're not allowed to do stuff like that is that they cannot replace their judgment with our judgment. If you are going to take someone's liberties away from their gun rights to their freedom— then you must give them a jury trial. I even think mental health incarceration, forcible commitment, should have a jury trial. Why shouldn't it? Why shouldn't it? Why should people who have committed no crime get fewer protections from loss of liberty than people who have committed crimes? And as a matter of fact, if what you're telling people is, we're going to crawl all over your stuff no matter what thought crosses your mind, that will have... Uh, it, that will induce psychosis. You cannot have somebody never feel like they can never have private thoughts. It's not healthy. And if you're doing that, coupling with constant monitoring, so that if anyone has the vaguest impulse, they, uh, you see this in science fiction stuff. You have to act on it before it enters the front of your mind. Before when you see like Mind rate, Rick and Morty, like don't think of anything, or Ghostbusters, don't think of anything. What'd you think of the Marshmallow Man for? Don't think of anything. You have to you have to go underground in, in a way that is unhealthy. And this is not the way it's supposed to be. It's not right. It's not constitutional. It's it doesn't even make sense from a criminal justice point of view. That's what you want to restrain government from doing. So this is what Cornyn came up with. I mean, Binkley do you have any Any thoughts on what the dangers of this stuff? I mean, don't you feel like it's completely unhealthy mentally to have people feel like ambiguous intent, just letting letting a a thought that isn't pre-screened through your mind? It's it's terrible.
1: It would create a lot of self-censoring, and there's no defined way to, if there's no defined concrete definition of it, then they can use that in any way that they want to.
0: Yes. Yes. So. So they're in, they can do anything with it. You're right. I mean, they can do anything with it. That's why you want a jury trial. Yeah, because you want people to say, OK, and that's why I hate plea bargains. It's like ninety five, ninety eight percent of all convictions are bargained, bargained yeah. between two people, one of whom has all the power. I mean, of course, you're going to get people to bargain their rights away the, look at what they're doing to Lori Lachlan. Every time she resists a new spate of pressure to plea bargain, they put more charges on her. Uh, it's it's absolutely unconstitutional, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, it's fear. They're trying to instill fear.
0: It's at, or as Snowden says in one of our clips, they're gonna they're they're gonna fear her up. Yeah, fear up. <laughs> He's. so... Full of spooky jargon. <laughs> so let me just read the Cornyn thing, and then I want to get to Storyful, and then I want to get to Snowden, which actually completely folds into this. I think I cracked the code on why Snowden's doing this book tour, and the answer dovetails with what Barr is doing here. One of one of Barr's other initiatives, which I think folds into with this initiative. There's a lot of a lot of ambiguous teasing going on here. <laughs> yeah. I better watch it. All right, so here's Cornyn. His, his law is called the RESPONSE Act, all caps, of course. Everything's an acronym. i mean, kind of limiting in what you can name the thing. Okay, I'm just going to pick out a couple of things. There's a lot of stuff here. And I don't want to talk about mass shootings or gun control because I don't – the gun control thing, this is what I call an everything but law. This is what the Republicans are doing right now. They're, they are the ones championing red flag laws and all this stuff. Starts with Trump, but everybody's on board. Actually, it started with Lindsey Graham. I did a whole show on it before anyone even registered what was coming. And the red flag laws, all that stuff, are they're written about, like in the Wall Street Journal and all these mainstream outlets, as being driven by the Republicans' need to satisfy their constituents— to not encroach Second Amendment rights while doing something about mass shootings other than thoughts and prayers. So they're blaming Republican constituents, which is definitely not the one driving this. The Republicans are using it as an excuse to do everything but take away your Second Amendment rights. So they want to take away all your other rights. They want total surveillance. They want mental health uh, ambiguity to be an incarceratable offense with with. You even lose your right to due process, no jury trial, nothing like that. They're going to take every single solitary civil liberty away under the guise of the drug war or the war on terror or the mass shootings, whatever excuses they have always used and will continue to use to take every last right away before they get to the Second Amendment. They're not getting rid of the Second Amendment because then you won't need—you won't have an excuse for everything else. So they're going to do everything else and when. All the civil rights are gone, all the protections are gone. Well, then they're just going to take the Second Amendment away. Like, why not? What are you going to do about it? You can't even talk about it because they're surveilling you, and you would it would reveal ambiguous, like a bad, ambiguous feelings. The next one's going to be ambiguous emotions about the situation. I mean, what is that? Right? What is ambiguous intent? Who knows? <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem. So this is just the two things I want to highlight from the Cornyn bill. What is encouraging Internet service providers to better collaborate with law enforcement to prevent mass shooting? So it clarifies that Internet service providers and online platforms have the authority to share information with law enforcement concerning acts of mass violence, hate crimes or domestic terrorism. Domestic terrorism is often defined as conspiracy theories, anti-government feelings. So I mean, the next step is Bill of Rights. That's important because I've noticed and I've mentioned that many times when they talk about these mass shootings or the FBI talks about what they're doing to prevent them, they say, well, sadly, we can't just blanket monitor social media. But I think they they do. And I think they're looking to legalize it. And again, this is where that story full comes in. And they and I think also where Snowden comes in. And then the school stuff is they want to incentivize school internet safety to prevent mass violence. It says incentivize, I hate that word, schools to enforce internet safety policies that detect online activities of minors who are at imminent risk of committing self-harm or extreme violence against others in order to provide the students with the services they need and prevent possible violence. So again, what are they, how, what, is this really a science that they can tell aren't isn't what like every teenage boy does in those crazy first person shooter games a an activity that 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 indicates the capacity for extreme violence?
1: I would think so. I would think they're going to have a well of children that they can put in mental institutions based on that or anything else that they collect during someone 's childhood
0: and I think didn't it come up recently that that stuff is instrumental in in creating draftable soldiers that they are recruiting from
1: gamers now that's something that they're doing
0: I think I talked about that as being a white paper from the World Economic Forum like 2 3 years ago Oh wow remember we talked I I remember distinctly saying like I don't this sounds like they're trying to assess the impact of gaming on and i a guy's willingness and ability to kill for real Yeah and then it says uh, they want to assist school behavioral intervention teams <laughs> directing the Department of Health and Human Services to identify and facilitate the development of best practices to assist elementary schools, secondary schools, and institutions of higher learning to operate behavioral intervention teams to identify students whose behavior indicates a threat of violence and ensure they receive the assistance and services they need. So so that that's another reason they want everybody in college, because they want to push – They want to make sure you're being constantly surveilled and that you, as a member of that institution, reminds me of Brzezinski's crisis of democracy. He wants to push people in there to institutions that are not democratic so that you don't have any control. You have to submit to this stuff.
1: I'd like to see what this school behavioral intervention team is made up of. Explain. Just how many people are on this team? Where do they come from? Somebody from social science, a police officer? Uh, therapist. I'm just very interested in this and, and how does it work?
0: Well, I was reading a parenting book recently and it talked about how it was really about like behavior discipline, stuff like that for teens And it says, like, you will get – if you go to different psychologists, you will get totally different assessments, different recommendations, everything like that. And I've – a lot of people, if you open up that topic with people who have teens, especially, like, this what I call screen-induced psychosis, you, like, can't limit their screen time. Like, we're kind of past that, but it was a little – felt like a crisis for a while. You'll talk to people, and nobody really – there's no consensus, no psychological consensus on what is going on and how to help people. You'll get you'll spend a lot of money and get terrible advice, conflicting advice, creates conflict. So, right, that team, there is no science here. And the and the not everybody they have agendas, they have like things you can can and cannot say things that you can and cannot want. Like you see that with the transgender kid thing. You see the I can't believe the American Pediatric Association came out against it, but that, they'll probably change their tune eventually. But you, it's considered hateful to just look at what's the truth there. Yeah, and I don't I don't want I don't want to be hateful. You know I don't want to hurt people. I just I think that if the truth is uncomfortable. You should still, if you're going to start putting people in jail, you're going to want to face a truth and not a PC thing or, you know, and, but ultimately it seems to me that this will all just come down to anybody who does not submit. It's this idea of like, you're resisting arrest, like, but I didn't do anything wrong, but you're still resi- resisting arrest is the crime. It's like, but I didn't do anything wrong. You know, like anybody who resists that to submit totally like the minority report, we have to freeze so that the little spider can read your retina. Yeah. If you're not doing that, you're a threat.
1: It, ambiguous threat signals came from your retina, <coughs> so we're, we have to take you in.
0: But you, they couldn't see your retina, therefore, you're malevolent. Yeah. Right? like Because you're resisting. I'm telling you. I know it sounds dystopian, but read this memo. It is dystopian. All right. We're going to get to storyful after the break. 404 750 Or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. You maniac. Up. On ninety five point five WSB, Atlantis news and talk. So we were talking about this bill from Cornyn, the memo from Barr. We're talking about all the the pre crime stuff that they're trying to bring down on us, and and it all focuses on like regular. If you see somebody who's about to plan a crime, everything's in place to to take that person. And there's often many, many indicators that gun, I, I've read a lot about gun crime. It's almost never, virtually never the first crime someone commits is shooting somebody. But Barr is saying that this there's this new brand of criminal where they, have, they come out of nowhere, no history at all. They emerge abruptly and they have ambiguous intent. So this is to me, it appears to be highly contrived. Because that just means they can blanket, uh, surveil everybody, and then punish people that they decide smell funny, and that's it. And so it seems to me that they created this image, this profile, so that they could implement all these blanket surveillance and incarceration tools and that so but binkley and i on the break we're talking about what is ambiguous intent and cornyn wants to bring this concept basically into the schools and we were talking about like what if your kid draws kermit the frog and like somehow it looks a little bit like pepe i mean what do you think (laughs)
1: yeah we're sorry your child has drawn pepe he says it's kermit it looks a little like pepe to us
0: and uh and that's that's enough, so have let's, let's negotiate a deal here <laughs> on what we're going to do with this kid. I didn't have time for the story, but I'll do it at the top of the hour, and then we'll go into Snowden. You can give us a call, 404-872-0750, or tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show.